Good afternoon, Rob Port 970, WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Eric, how are you? Beautiful fall afternoon. I yeah. am well. I am well. We, um, I have, I have spent the last 45 minutes, my desktop computer completely, completely just fell apart. Oh, uh, that's not good. No. And so I had to, uh, I had to quickly, um, I had a laptop, and so I had to quickly integrate the laptop into my workspace so that I, we could broadcast like we usually do. And, you know, of course, working on a deadline because in radio, you can't say, hey, give me another 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> when it's time to go, it's time to go. Um, there are new accusations in the Kavanaugh situation, and uh, we're going to get to that in a moment. Um, these ones are not good. Uh, these are the ones from uh, Michael Avenatti, Avenetti, however you pronounce his name. He is um, Stormy Daniels' lawyer. Yesterday, there was a lot of mirth because he locked his uh, his Twitter account. A lot of people thought that he may have been duped, but no. Today, he's got a named woman. He's got a picture. She has signed a sworn affidavit, um, which 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 carries. By the way, when you when you sign a sworn affidavit, it carries. There, there's a penalty for that. Um, you know, not unlike perjuring yourself in court. Uh, so she has signed this, uh, alleging some some very ugly things about Kavanaugh. She said that she herself was gang raped at a party that Judge Kavanaugh was at uh, in the 1980s, the early 1980s, and that she also witnessed uh, Kavanaugh participating in the gang rape of other women, and um, and and using drugs or, or, or alcohol to, uh, to to ply women in, into sex. Uh, that's that's where it's at right now. It's just breaking shortly before airtime. Uh, I haven't had a lot of time to digest this yet, um, but it's out there, and, and that is what it is. So we can talk about that uh, today. Also coming up later, we're going to talk a little bit about Measure 4. State Representative Todd Par- uh, Porter, Republican from Mandan, is going to call in. Measure 4 is the uh, the license plate measure uh, for first responders. And, you know, it's it's a question of uh, – and by the way, I, I thought Representative Porter was, was particularly – uh, qualified maybe to speak to this he runs an ambulance company while well, his his employees are not volunteer first responders he certainly works with a lot of them i think he knows that industry that 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 area of endeavor um and so uh, anyway he um he's going to be on the program we're going to talk a little bit about measure four and, and what we ought to do with that also congressman kevin kramer joins us uh later in the program uh coming up at one thirty. um the, the attacks in that Senate race are getting fierce, but uh, he'll be on, as always, to take your comments, take your questions. 701 uh, excuse me. <clears throat> 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329, email talk at com. Uh, I have a uh, open thread going on Facebook for uh, for questions for Congressman Kramer if you want to put them there, uh, or you can just call in and email when he's on uh, like normal. All right. Uh, before we go anywhere, though, I wanted to... Um, I got a very nice email yesterday, and I, I get a lot. I, I think people expect that everything that I get is just hate mail from people all the time, um, and uh, trust me, I, I get a lot of that, <laughs> but I, I also get a lot of very nice emails from people, um, people who are just honestly exploring the issues. You know, Sometimes they'll ask me questions. Sometimes they'll ask me where I got information. Sometimes they'll ask me to help them. I, I enjoy it. I, I like it when people email. Uh, Casey emailed me, and I, I thought it was a particularly um, nice email. We were talking about voter ID yesterday, 
And I wanted to lead the show off just just responding to him because I think he asked an important question about the voter ID issue, which, which by the way, um, we had uh, Secretary of State Al Jagger on yesterday to talk about that, the Eighth Circuit saying that North Dakota can go ahead and enforce um, our, ID, our ID law uh, in, in that we didn't have to accept identification that only had like a mailing address on it. Uh, I'm going to have his opponent, Democrat um, Josh Boucher, is going to be on the program at, on Friday at uh, 1 or 1.30. I'm forgetting. Anyway, he'll be on Friday uh, to talk about that. But in the meantime, uh, the listener sent me this email about my position on voter ID. Uh, Casey writes, Rob, hi, Rob. I occasionally read your columns and have at times been struck by your thoughtfulness, even though I disagree with you. As always, with people we disagree with, there are other times when I simply disagree with your premise or approach entirely, but you're a good writer and a very intelligent person with whom I have no desire to debate. I would categorize you as libertarian-leaning. If I'm off on that, please let me know. My question involves your column about the appeals court striking down the lawsuit against uh, the voter ID law here in North Dakota. Now, I I should clarify here. The appeals court did not strike down the lawsuit. What they did is they stayed a lower court injunction. The lawsuit's still ongoing. That has not been struck down. But they, they stayed a lower court's injunction on the assumption that they feel the state of North Dakota may be successful in their arguments in that area. Um, the email continues. I agree with you that such laws are intentionally targeting... I agree with you that to say such laws are intentionally targeting students and Native Americans to suppress their vote might be a stretch. I believe that for many supporters of the law, those groups are side effects, not targets. However, it would seem you would oppose any laws that are not based on need. Any law restricts freedom in some way. So if we do not have a need for a law, why is there a law and why do you support it? Do you believe that voter fraud is rampant enough to sway any elections in North Dakota? If yes, what evidence led you to that conclusion? Maybe I'm off on this. But it would seem consistent with your beliefs that any law restricting the rights of citizens must be based on absolute need. Is there absolute need to restrict the voting rights of North Dakota citizens? Um, I thought that was a fair question. Fair question. Because I do argue a lot that, you know, before we we institute a public policy solution, we need to be sure there's a problem. Um, I think that's generally true. I think that's a good rule of thumb. Here's where I am with voter laws. First of all, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that, that voter ID is a restriction of our rights. Um, I mean, because if you're going to go down that road, then I guess requiring that people, uh, you know, report gun sales is a restriction on a right. I, I mean, if, if, if that's what it is. I, I don't I don't think you can really argue that that requiring a voter ID is a is a restriction. As for whether or not the law is necessary, I don't I don't think we have to have rampant voter fraud. I don't think we have to have voter fraud at all, frankly, for us to say let's put in place some some protections and a procedure to ensure that the people who vote in a given jurisdiction are qualified to vote there. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need to prove that that the bad thing has happened. Um, I, I wouldn't say like if we had zero murder in the state of North Dakota. Let's say nobody ever got murdered here. We go back a hundred years; nobody's ever been murdered in the state of North Dakota. Obviously, that's not true. But stipulating for an idea, let's say that that was true. Would that be a good argument against making murder, you know, removing from the law uh, our, our statutes against homicide? I, I I don't think so. I think it should still be illegal even though maybe it never happens. Um, you know, so I, I look at it the same way with, with voter ID. We have laws in place that say y- 
you have to meet certain qualifications to vote. You have to be 18 years old. Uh, you can't have your voting rights removed. And actually, this was another question somebody asked about felon felons voting in the state of North Dakota. Uh, you could vote as soon as your, your sentence is up. Felons in North Dakota could vote. We've actually long had one of the most permissive laws in the country regarding that, and I'm, I'm supportive of that. Um, but here in North Dakota, you have to be 18 to vote. Um, you have to actually reside in the place where you're voting. So if you're a Fargo resident, you can't go out and vote in, in Castleton in their legislative races, their local races, or whatever. You have to actually live there. We have those requirements in place for a reason. What's the point? My argument is what's the point of having those requirements if you're not going to put in place any sort of protections or procedure or anything to ensure that they're being followed? That's my argument, and that's why I'm at. So I, I think the counter-argument that we hear a lot from the left on voter IDs is, well, there's not any voter fraud, so why are we doing this? Um, and my answer is I, there doesn't have to be voter fraud for us to say let's take these steps to make sure that the people who are voting are qualified to vote. Well over 90% of North Dakotans are, are able to vote using the driver's license ID that they already have or the state issue ID that they already have. Uh, you know, there's a very small minority of, of people who struggle a little bit for various reasons on, on having that sort of identification. To the extent that that is inhibiting their ability to vote, I think that we ought to address that by making it easier for them to get the identification. I don't think that's an argument against stopping or, or, or diluting ID requirements at the ballot box. It's, it's, it's honestly not that hard, folks. So anyway, I wanted to respond to that. I thought it was a nice email, and it was a, a topic that had come up yesterday, uh, and I, I thought that was uh, worth addressing. Um, all right, on to this, uh, this Kavanaugh thing. I don't know how many of you out there are, uh, have, have, have read or, or, or heard about the latest uh, in this situation. Um, here it is. I'm, I'm going to read. This, is, uh, this was written by Elizabeth Nolan Brown, writing uh, uh, about the, the most recent accusations in Reason magazine. Uh, I quote, a woman who allegedly partied with Judge Kavanaugh as a teenager has come forward with serious allegations about him and his former classmate, Mark Judge. According to the sworn declaration from Julie Swetnick, both Kavanaugh and Judge abetted the drugging and gang raping of girls at parties in the early 1980s. Swetnick also implies that Kavanaugh and Judge participated in the assaults themselves. At Georgetown Prep students, as Georgetown Prep students, both Judge and Kavanaugh were known to spike the punch at house parties with drugs and or grain alcohol so as to cause girls to lose their inhibitions and ability to say no. Uh, Swetnick says in the declaration, which was released on Twitter this morning by lawyer and recent TV news fixture Michael Avenatti. Uh, Swetnick says she, quote, witnessed efforts by Mark Judge, Brett Kavanaugh, and others to cause girls to become inebriated and disoriented so they could be gang raped in a side room or bedroom by a train of numerous boys uh, that she has a, quote, firm recollection of boys being lined up outside rooms at many of these parties waiting for their turn with a girl inside the room. These boys included Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh. Around 1982, Swetnick states she herself was a victim of, quote, one of these gang or train rapes where Mark Judge and Brett Kavanaugh were present. It is unclear whether she is saying Kavanaugh or Judge personally assaulted her. Uh, she adds that she believes she was drugged via quaaludes dropped into her drink. Swetnick says she told others about the incident at the time and knows of other witnesses who could confirm her statements. 
We demand an immediate FBI investigation into these allegations. Avenatti tweeted this morning, under no circumstances should Brett Kavanaugh be confirmed absent a full and complete investigation. So that's that's where we're at. Um, this is this is serious. Uh, I, I I don't I don't know. You I, I think you got to take these accusations seriously. Um, and again, this this comes by way of a of a sworn statement, which perhaps gives this accusation a, a a degree of credibility maybe that some of the accusations other accusations to this point have lacked um the problem here is is the handling of this has been partisan from the beginning um we are in an environment now where i am very skeptical that we're going to find the truth on a lot of this stuff at least not in the immediate future um so i just i don't, I don't know I, I don't know what to do with this I, i'm putting this in your laps, listeners, what do you think of this? As you hear this news, as you digest this news, what are you thinking of these latest accusations? I'd love to hear from you. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're on Report 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Michael Avenatti, uh, attorney, uh, Stormy Daniels' attorney, that's, that's probably how we know him to this point, and now representing a new woman with accusations against Trump's Supreme Court appointee, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Um, she is alleging some very graphic things. I, I just put it out on, on my social media, if you, if you haven't seen the article yet, but I'm, I imagine you're not going to have any trouble finding them. Um, graphic stuff, she put it in a sworn statement. Uh what do we think? I mean, to this point, I think there's been a lot of reason to to be skeptical of some of the claims against Judge Kavanaugh. Uh, this one, and 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 also, I mean, it's it's just dropping now. I don't I don't think any of us have had a lot of time to digest this or whatever. But what do you think of this? I mean, are we getting to a point where is it really time to to to, to delay Kavanaugh? Is it time to to pick somebody else? Love to hear from you, 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the calls first. Caller, Jeff, you're on. What's up? Hey, I just wanted to say this has become such a, a circus. Uh, these are these people are our governing bodies, and they can't get along. And it just uh, – and then people wonder why – only like 20% people vote. I mean, uh, this is so ridiculous. You know, Rob, I, I, it, it, and hey, if he, if he's guilty, yeah, you know, but I mean, yeah. come on, this is just ridiculousness. Well, I, and, I mean, the, the, pro- the problem is, is, is trying to determine whether or not he's guilty. You know, and and I I think to, to to speak to some of the frustration that that I think you're voicing, Jeff. Um, who do we trust at this point? Yeah, that's the problem. Do, you're right. You, you know, know, do we do I we just, trust? You know, I I, I don't I don't know that we could trust. You realize I realize that the media in other cities are calling Fargo the murder capital of the world now. <laughs> oh, I I haven't heard. I'm kind of glad I live in DL. It's safer down here. Well, I, I don't think calling Fargo the murder capital of the world <laughs> is a, anyway, bit, of a, yeah, a bit of a stretch. Dude. Yeah, thanks for the call, Jeff. Um, you know, to, to Jeff's point, it is frustrating because it's hard to know who to who to trust. I mean, who in Congress do you trust? I mean, it's everybody, it seems, is looking at this situation through partisan motivations. Uh, a lot of the press seems to have partisan ideological motivations. 
I think uh, those of us here in the public, I don't want to put somebody who's done awful things on the United States Supreme Court. But I also want to ensure before we deny that person that opportunity that he has, in fact, done those things. Such a mess. Let's see. Uh, caller, Russell, you're on. What's up? Yes. You know, uh, to all the Trumpsters, remember when when Trump said that he didn't have the affair with Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal? Uh, well, I pretty much believe uh, their lawyer, Ava, Aviante, that is his last name? Avenatti, I think, is how you pronounce Avenatti. it. Avenatti. You know, I remember when Bill Clinton did this, and you know what? They should have thrown him in jail, too. Yeah. It's nice you Democrats to finally get around to admitting that. But I still think you should Clinton should have been in deep trouble. That's not that's not what you Democrats were saying back when it was going on. I mean back when it was going on. Believe me, I was saying that. All right. Well good for you. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that, Russell. I listen, I What I am struggling with here, right, and and, and President Trump's adventures in I see he's already on Twitter calling Avenatti like a third third tier lawyer or something like that. I don't know what he's saying. It doesn't matter. I don't think so because he sure made Trump look stupid. Well, uh, President Trump's uh, President Trump. I mean, President Trump's adventures with veracity are one thing. The thing is, is I don't. J- Brett Kavanaugh is not Donald Trump. Brett Kavanaugh well, is a human can being. Can I ask you a question? No, why are they in such a hurry? I mean, if they did have the FBI, come on, it couldn't take them more than a couple weeks to get this. Because they want to get they want to get the vote. They want to get the vote in before. Because part of the problem is here is the original accusation from Professor Ford was handled in such a partisan manner. That it looked like all Democrats were doing was trying to, to delay delay the vote. And, and the Republicans are trying to get it pushed through so quick that let's find out. And you know what? If he's guilty, he's guilty. If he's not, he's not. Great. Let it go. Part of me, what I, what I have been... the stupidest crap in the world right now. What I was arguing yesterday is I say appoint him to the court. And then afterwards, if it comes out, if you could prove, uh, there's a process by which he could be impeached and removed. But I, 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 I worry I worry about in this environment because I want I want justice. I want the truth here. And I worry that in this environment we're not gonna get it. I don't think we're gonna get it, Russell, from either side. But that's what I worry can about. He in, can he be in, impeached? He can be impeached, yes. There's a constitutional process for it. He can be impeached and removed. And, but here's the deal. If you got I, all the Republicans real quick, I gotta go. who are the majority yeah, I, I got I gotta go, Russell. I appreciate the the call. Uh, there is a process, and I, I don't know. What do you think of these latest accusations coming out from Michael Avenatti? Ken, we'll get to you right after the break. Call in 901-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Port nine seventy WDYM ninety three point one FM again. Talking about Kavanaugh, I, I actually had planned not to talk about Kavanaugh today. I felt I felt like Eric, we'd kind of beaten the topic to death. Yep, we may as well you know take a breather. We were going to have the big hearing on Thursday, but now these new accusations are out, and I, I think it's fair to ask people, what do you think of them? Yeah, you can't are, avoid are, it. Are, are, are these credible? You know, I, it's uh, you know, it's it's the question we've got to ask. I don't think we're going to find the truth of anything in this environment. But seven zero one two nine three nine thousand eight 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 nine seven zero nine three two nine email talk at wday dot com. Let's go to the phones. Ken, you're on. What's up? Well, a couple of things. This guy's been investigated by the FBI. This isn't just a guy who just got shoved onto the seat. I mean, this guy's been thoroughly investigated uh, with background checks and things multiple times. Well, he's been in, he's been in the public eye for decades. He was involved well, not, in. Yeah, I mean, not just the public eye, but every time he goes through confirmation processes, the FBI does yeah. does background checks. So I mean, it, 
these are the dog that's not barking here that I'm I'm hearing is the, the latest one I haven't read online, but from your description of it, it, it sounds like he's he's the mastermind of of some sort of sex ring, and the the dog that's not barking is where. Where is anybody else who's standing saying, yeah, I got five, six people that are saying this happened? If this happened on a regular basis, are, are there, there, there's got to be women who were raped, right? Well, and this, this, this latest woman, I mean, went to the police with yeah. it and said, the I previous, was at a party and, and something nasty happened. Well, two two points here. The, the previous accusers didn't have witnesses backing them up necessarily. Uh, this one claims she does. Now, I guess we'll see what. What what comes of that? The other the the other point, Ken, is that we have this again. I think illustrates the point, and hopefully, this is one of the things we can start doing in the quote unquote Me Too era. Is if stuff like this happens, you need to report it when it happens, because if we're all left twenty, thirty years, forty years after the fact, trying to figure out what happened, we're not going to get justice. We need to stop this idea that the victims can just be silent. You can't be silent. If you want justice, you got to seek justice. But justice is not in the courts anymore. Justice is in the in the eye of the public and Twitter and 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 and, and yeah. Facebook and and the news who like people and don't like people. So that that's that's where this is all getting played out. Uh, that that's why we went through confirmation hearings. Knowing no one stepped forward. Then there was a vote to be scheduled, and then Diane Feinstein hurled this meat pie in, in, in and said, "All right, we got to stop everything now." So, yeah, the, the process has been abused, yeah. and 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 even if it wasn't, I don't know how you go back thirty six years. I mean, think where you were thirty six years ago. I, I was, you know, I'm about Kavanaugh's age. I, I was back in high school. Yeah, I mean, I this is like high school reunion <laughs> kind of things that that. From 35, 36 yeah. years ago, you're going to go try to prove? I was a when, toddler when, in rural Alaska 36 years ago. But here's, I mean, here's here's the problem. I, I don't, we're, we're not going to get justice out of out of no. this situation. And that's that's no. what worries me. Ken, thanks thanks for the call. Um, yeah, I, I I just, I don't know what else to say. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. Caller, Ron, you're on. Yeah, I was wondering what are, what are the consequences you said about signing an affidavit. Are there any really? Yeah, if it's a sworn affidavit, you can. It's it's something akin to perjury. I'm not a, I'm not an attorney, but yeah, I mean it's a sworn affidavit. There are count consequences for lying. How much? How um, do you think that would ever happen? I mean, uh, well, I will. Well, part, part, part of the problem. Yeah. Gonna, it's just going to be Democrats against Republicans. I mean, part, you, part, like part you, of the problem you is cannot find the truth yeah. anymore. It, it's just uh, part of the problem is what it is. Yeah. Part of the problem is if you if you if you look at a lot of the accusations, um, it's hard. To, it's hard. They have to be falsifiable. Right. Which means you have to if you, if you want to convict somebody of perjury um, or, or, or lying in, in, in a situation like that where they've signed like a like an affidavit like that. You have to prove that they're lying, and so the problem is how do you how do you prove that she is lying? I mean, how do you prove that? I mean, again, it's the same problem with 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 Kavanaugh trying to prove it didn't happen. It's thirty six years ago, so yeah, I mean, you could say it's not nothing that 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 she signed a sworn affidavit. It's it's far from being nothing, but it's not everything either. It doesn't automatically mean that this is the gospel. It's got to be falsifiable, and so if you're if if you're relying on recollections and and secondhand accounts from 36 years ago, the problem is is how do you prove? How do you prove any of it? 
you know, it's it's the same bugaboo we keep coming back to. Ron, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Let me burn through a few of these emails because they're stacking up. Uh, Janet says, uh, needs to be investigated just like Bill Cosby was. Um, I mean, the question there you could ask is why why nobody's going to law enforcement over this. Uh, Dave says the liberal left will do anything to keep Roe v. Wade. They don't care who it hurts. I don't believe any of the complaints. The thing is, I, I absolutely believe Democrats will do whatever it takes to kill Kavanaugh's nomination. I think they're absolutely motivated by politics this entire way. The way they've handled it has been despicable. My problem is that doesn't necessarily mean the accusations are wrong. Mitch says, Rob, first of all, these confirmation hearings for Kavanaugh should have been delayed until after the midterms. Secondly, well, that's, I mean, what a political calculation that is that game i mean in that case why even approve anybody's appointment to the supreme court then we should always just wait until the next election for crying out loud uh, secondly when someone signs a sworn affidavit i have to believe they know full well the consequences of lying well we just we just talked about that though uh, what bothers me more than anything is they are going to hear the testimony tomorrow and have already scheduled a vote on Kavanaugh on Friday. It certainly seems to me that the Senate Judiciary Committee is intent on following through with Mitch McConnell's pledge to ram Kavanaugh through. To me, this is very pathetic and disgusting because there's no reason they couldn't investigate these allegations thoroughly and then vote after they have a chance to digest everything. My problem is I don't think this situation is going to lead to justice. I mean, part of me, part of why I, I think you ought to just push ahead and confirm Kavanaugh is let's get past this moment, because in this moment, I don't think we're going to find any justice. Either either take Kavanaugh off the table, or confirm him. And and after the fact, there's a there's a process by which he can be impeached and removed if some of this stuff can be proved. But in this moment. You, you, we can't let this linger. I mean, I, I I feel like this is this is something out of the crucible. I feel like this is like the Salem witch hysteria, right? Where you have a bunch of people just throwing around accusations. And I, I don't know that this is an environment where we're ever going to find the truth. Caller, Terry, you're on. What's up? Uh, yeah, I guess I would be one that thinks uh, this coming from an independent, by the way. I think the Republican Party should cut ties with Kavanaugh. You know, it's. It's not the end of the world for him. You, you still have the White House. It's still your nomination. Well, you just, that's easy, that's easy to say. One. I mean, that's easy for you to say. It's not the end of the world for him that he loses this. He's a human being at the middle of this. It is, it is kind of the end of the world for him. I guess I was thinking more about end of the world for the Republican I mean, if it was party, you, I mean, if it was not, you, Terry. Their nominations. I mean, it's, they this, still this is a nomination. They still get to is, pick who the person is okay. going to be. Okay, well, maybe, but there's a human being at the center of this. His name's Brett Kavanaugh. And how would you like if, if it was you, Terry, and, and you had people making accusations at you, and so would you not kind of feel like it's a, an admission of guilt if all of a sudden you weren't going to get the job because of what you were accused of? Well, it's a good point. I, I think not yeah. that I would so much say that's an admission of guilt, but maybe that other people believe that I'm guilty, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Terry, th- yeah. I mean, it's listen, it's a hard situation. I, I respect your point of view, Terry. I understand what you're saying. I don't know that there's a right answer here. Uh, that's how much of a mess this is. The whole thing is disgusting. There's political maneuvering on all sides. Uh, it, it's, it's just it's hard to see what the truth is here. It's a big, yeah. ugly, muddy cloud. And unfortunately, and what this is what really gives me heartburn is the people who never wanted Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. That serves their purposes. 
And that's what gives me pause in right. saying, we'll just take Kavanaugh off the table. I don't want to reward that behavior. Because if, if we reward that behavior, we're going to get more of it. And every confirmation fight is going to be this. Yeah. I would like to ask you one other question. It's something that sure. you, Real quick. You, you kind of touched on earlier. Uh, I know that you've heard the sound bites and stuff, Mitch McConnell talking about uh, that we should never politicize the the process of picking a Supreme Court justice. We should not do these during election cycles. This was his justification a couple years ago when they wouldn't confirm the one that Obama yeah. put out there. I, I, Republi- he, I, I, I Republicans exactly made a mistake. Exactly the there. opposite side of this now. Yeah. What's your they're hypocrites. I mean, for they're, he, they're being the hypocrites. Middle, really they're being hypocrites. They're, they're, they're being hypocritical, and I'm, I'm sorry, I really got to go to a break. Uh, Terry, they're, they're being hypocritical. I was critical of them doing it. They should not have done that, uh, but they did it, and that's where we're at. I got to go to a break, though. Uh, more to come, 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Don't go away. Just as if we needed more mud in the water. This is from the uh, the Daily Caller. Back in May, Michael Avenatti, the attorney for porn star Stormy Daniels, threatened and emotionally abused his wife after they separated. She declared under oath in court filings the Daily Caller News Foundation reviewed. Now, his his wife now says uh, that, that he was never abusive, but she she put in sworn court filings that he was abusive. Just to, just to provide some context for what's going on right now. Michael Avenatti's client is saying in sworn uh, statements that uh, Kavanaugh uh, was abusive uh, and, and and participated in gang rapes and everything else. Um, so I think some of the callers were asking about the use of sworn affidavits. Well, here it is right from, from Avenatti's own divorce. Um, I guess I don't, I don't know if it's a reward. And it was, it was a sworn court declaration uh, asked a California court to grant her exclusive use of their marital home after she said her husband threatened and emotionally abused her both parties now dispute this account as they finalize their divorce. So, yeah, I mean, what are the consequences for lying in a sworn statement? Well, there's an example from Mr. Avenatti's own path. Uh, let's uh, let's look at some of the uh, emails here. Janet says, your mail callers are stupid. These women deserve the right to be heard now before the vote. Yeah, bring up Hillary and Bill. God, your stupid male old callers will do anything to stand by their clown Trump. Can we stop with the whole identity politics in this? I saw somebody earlier today, you know, saying, I would really like to know how women feel about this. Well, women should be free to speak out about this. Everybody should be free to speak out about this. A caller isn't dumb because they're male, and a caller isn't dumb because they're female. Take identity out of it, right? I mean, this is so much of the problem. Let's focus on the facts, not the identity. That's where we need to be focused on. What are the facts? 701-293-9000, Email talk at WDAY.com. Emailer says, uh, all I have to say is innocent until proven guilty. Why not just confirm him and then investigate him and impeach him if needed uh, from a 20-year-old female liberal? That's how the emailer described herself, 20-year-old female liberal. Why not just confirm him and investigate after the fact? I mean, that's that's kind of where I'm at, Eric. I, I, what, what, what really worries me here are two things. If the accusations are false, you deny Brett Kavanaugh, and you deny Brett Kavanaugh an opportunity to sit on, on the Supreme Court, that is an injustice, right? It's also rewarding if they are false extremely abhorrent political behavior. 
Alternatively, if you appoint him to the court and then say, okay, he's on the court, but we have a process by which he can be impeached, make your case. The people accusing Judge Kavanaugh can still get justice. Right? They can still get justice. They still have the opportunity to make their case. You make it sound, though, like like um, impeaching somebody is just an overnight process. And, oh, it's and you not. Fill out oh, the it's not. And you fill out the paperwork to impeach the person, and it goes to the clerk, and the clerk stamps it, and then they're done. And, no, and that will, so no. that's I, why I'm, I'm the not. FBI needs to reinvestigate him. That's sure. why the FBI needs to and they reopen can, and this they... investigation and not push him through. Well, they can do that. They can do that after they confirm it. Oh, they can do it before as well. Yeah, well, see, the problem there, though, is that if these are false accusations, we investigate them now, you push this out past the election, Democrats get what they want. You just reward it. If, if the claims turn out to be false, now you just reward it abhorrent. I, I'm trying to but, find but a way where everybody side, everybody Rob, can, has an opportunity Rob, to get to justice. On the other side is that if you push him through and then the FBI investigation finds that these accusations are true, then we got a problem there as well. So yeah, and just he can be impeached and removed from the court. your role, Republicans. He can, he can be impeached and removed from the court. I mean, if it comes out where an FBI investigation concludes that he did it. You just want to push him through, Rob, just like the other Republicans, instead of just slowing things down. I want to. I want to. I want the situation where everybody has an opportunity to get justice out of this because and I don't that's think why having. I don't FBI think. I don't think in reinvestigate would be the best way possible to get. But the it, justice. that gives. But that gives. That, but that's not justice for Kavanaugh. If we delay it that far, justice we're not, isn't, he's, he's isn't not going to be, be on served the for court. the three accusers if it's found to be true. Oh, there, oh yes, it will. It oh, could be. But if it's no. found to be true after the fact, he can be impeached. No. Yes, he can. Well, and it can the other way too, Rob. You got to you got to look at it both but, but ways. The other, but the other, the, but the other, the other way, uh, the other way does uh, injustice to Judge Kavanaugh. Both ways do injustice to both sides. And when you talk about one person, this is one person's life. Well, there's three accusers, so actually that's four people's lives that we're talking about here, not just one. Right, I agree. You don't bring that up though. You didn't. In your previous, yeah, I, no, I, I, I did not. In fact, I, in fact, I think I just did. Do I you think want I me said, to I said last segment. Yeah, absolutely. Go okay. ahead. I will find it. Wow. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Uh, we're actually not going to be talking about this anymore. We're going to be talking about um, Representative Todd Par- Porter and Measure 4. We'll be back right after this. this is the Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Don't go away. Hour 2, Rob Report, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. All right, we're taking a break from the Kavanaugh mess, and uh, we are going to talk Measure 4. Now, Measure 4 uh, is the license plate measure, as, as I understand it. And uh, State Representative uh, Todd Porter, Republican from Mandan, is uh, is on the line to discuss it with us. Uh, but as I understand the measure, what it would do is it would create a, a new classification of license plate. Uh, this license plate would be a distinctive color. I think it's red. It is um, yeah, it is red. Okay, thank you, Representative Porter. Um, it uh, it's it's red. It was, so that would that would help denote um, that that these volunteer first responders are volunteer first responders, which I, I imagine would have some utility when they're responding. Um, it would also be free of charge for them. Uh, they would not have to pay for that registration for that vehicle. Uh, and also, the special license plate would grant them admission to our state parks. Um, now, I think we all love our first responders. They, they do a great service for our state. Uh, but I think there is a question here to ask because there is a cost to doing this. There is a question about whether or not this is the right way to do something nice for our first responders. 
Uh, here to talk with me about it is State Representative Todd Porter, who I wanted to have on the program because, Todd, you, you participated in, in some legislative discussions about this. Uh, you also work in the industry. Um, you you run a, an ambulance company, which that's not specifically first responders, but I imagine you work with a lot of first responders. I imagine you have a lot of firsthand knowledge of of who they are and, and the challenges that they face, et, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what, what do you think of this measure, Todd? Well, Rob, you know, I spent the last 20 years in the legislature working on uh, EMS and first responder issues. Uh, you know, the, the funding mechanisms in place for training, the funding mechanisms in place for reimbursement uh, for uh, EMS calls through the state Medicaid um, division, um, and they all lack total dollars. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that it's been proven that, that the state of North Dakota reimburses less than the cost of providing a call, uh, that, that there aren't enough dollars to go around to train uh, the EMTs, the volunteer EMTs in our rural communities. And uh, those EMTs have some of the strictest recertification requirements, not only in the number of hours, but the amount of time that it takes to do it. So, you know, while, while I, I see this, and, and Mr. Semchenko, Semchenko uh, should be applauded for putting the effort forward to recognize the EMS community and the fire, volunteer fire community, there are a lot of other needs inside of those two arenas that could use the $3 million that would have to be spent in order to do this. Yeah, and and I mean we're we're talking what was it? Because I, if I remember the, the the fiscal note right that was presented, it was it was over a decade. It was like seventeen point seven million dollars, um, mostly in lost revenues, right? Where we're, we're obviously we're not getting the the, the vehicle registration uh, revenue from from these vehicles. Uh, we're, we're obviously the parks are losing some revenue, um, and it's the figure is what about three and a half million per biennium? Is that what it is? Um, I think I'm looking at the one that that the department gave the uh, legislative management committee. They have okay. about 2.8, 2.86, um, which includes the one-time programming cost. So I think okay. it's about 2.75 uh, million a biennium. Which okay. you know, if you look at that amount of money um, in a federal match program where the feds pay. Fifty uh, percent of the Medicaid costs. Uh, that would bring uh, five point five million dollars in increased reimbursements for Medicaid patients for ambulance services. Just that alone, um, the total grants for EMS training uh, is running uh, about uh, five and a half to six million a biennium. Um, putting that money on top of those training dollars. Uh, you would be able to uh, increase the number of individuals trained and decrease their out-of-pocket costs for that training. I think one thing that we have to be clear on is that, you know, the the person who's dedicated enough to be part of the ambulance service or the fire service and and not be reimbursed is the heart and soul of a community. And that individual not only gives up time away from work and time away from their family for the training – but they have out-of-pocket expenses in order to do that training, that there isn't money that, that's paying them to maintain their certifications. And so 
you know, I, I, I again, I applaud the gentleman for bringing this forward and bringing to light um, a situation where there does need to be more money that goes to our volunteer uh, EMS and our volunteer firefighters, but this doesn't help the problem. This is like giving everybody uh, a, a trophy when what they need is they need dollars for training and dollars for maintaining their certification. Yeah. Um, have we heard anything, Todd, from the first responder community about how they, I mean, is this something that they want? I mean, I, I, I imagine, I mean, listen, they put a lot on the line. I mean, it's a big sacrifice volunteering in this way. It's not something you do to get rich. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Um, you know, so they, they, they invest a lot in this. Um, but I mean, is this, is this something they want? There was a, there was a point in time where there was a bill, um, dealing with, specialized license plates for EMS. And it was back in the, in the time frame when, when you had to have legislative approval to have, like, the veteran plate and to have those special plates. Then we passed a law because there were so many different groups, the Future Farmers of America, the NDSU Bison, um, that wanted their own recognition on their license plates that we said, North Dakota yeah. DOT, you can create a sticker for any group that has this as a minimum number of people interested so that they can show that they're affiliated with an organization. So there already is a, you know, a sticker of the Maltese cross that they can put on to symbolize um, a firefighter, and they already have the Star of Life that they can put on their license plate to symbolize that they are part of an uh, ambulance service. This goes a little bit above and beyond, you know, that where where now it's free. Yeah. It's, well, it's I mean, hard. I mean, the that's other, that's the other that's obviously the big sorry, benefit. But the other but standpoint, and and I wanted to make the, the point is that that folks that volunteer for the Salvation Army, for the American Red Cross, for the American Heart Association, um, are you know the local food pantry are all volunteering their time and their energy and a lot of times their own money and. This does set up, in my mind, a little bit of an unfair standard um, for what it means to be a volunteer and what it means to care about your community. Well, I, I think I think that's right, and I, I think it's fair to ask, well, if we're going to do it for these volunteers, why not these other volunteers? And I mean, we're going to get to a point where uh, the, the revenue is a concern. And, and I, I, sh I should note, I mean, we're already in a situation, and Todd, I, I imagine you can speak to this more than I can, but... As I understand it, I mean, we're already in a situation where we're kind of looking at registration fees from the standpoint that uh, the revenue they're already getting is not enough to cover operations. And so there's already I don't know, a shortfall, I suppose you'd call it there. Uh, if, if, if we implement this, well, now that's another couple million bucks, you know, or more off the table per, per biennia to that the, the could go to this. I mean, at, at the end of the day, those vehicle registration fees fund things that are, are important that most of us agree also should happen and uh, you know how, how are we going to replace that that money too i mean that's, well, that's the an only, important part there, of this. there is no replacement of it the only thing that that we would have to do is raise the fee to For everybody else. else to offset right. to offset it you know and 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 inside of that 2.75 million there's also a component of about a million dollars that doesn't go out to the local cities, um, counties, and township in the, in the distribution formula because that money is, is not available to go out. So, I mean, there are, there are other 
effects of of doing this kind of earmarking inside of an already existing system. You know, one of the things that we have to, as a state, have to decide is, are we going to continue to subsidize our driver's license plates, our driver's license themselves, um, with with general fund dollars, or are we going to make those items stand on their own? And, you know, I don't necessarily believe that the state should make money issuing a driver's license, but I don't think that it should cost money either. And that It should be a user fee where the user it, covers the but cost. It should, right? But it should cover, right, and it should cover the cost of, of producing that, that license. I, I was just down at DOT uh, an hour ago, and renewed my driver's license for the next uh, six years, and it was fifteen dollars. Yeah. So it, it's not like you know. So fifteen dollars over six years, um, you know, it's two dollars and twenty-five cents uh, a year is what my driver's license cost me, and you know, did it cover the cost of producing the license and paying the person to? do the necessary checks to make sure that I'm qualified to drive? No, it did not. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think that's problematic. Now, I mean, people probably complain about the fee going up, but, I mean, let's let's face it, the, the fee to renew your driver's license, the fee for your vehicle, it's, I mean, it's not a huge amount of money. I mean, you pay it, for, you know, for your vehicles, you pay it once a year. It's not a huge amount of money. Are, are you going to vote for this, Todd? I mean, are, are, at the end of the day, I, I mean, I, I think you've been, you know, a, a little – while complimentary of the idea, I think we could both agree that the organizers behind the measure, their, their head's in the right place, doing something nice for our first responders, our volunteer first responders. Um, I'm just not sure that this is the right way. Are you going to vote for this? I am not. And, and, and I want to add the caveat that I am going to continue to fight inside of the legislative sessions to increase those training dollars and increase the money for reimbursement for these services to cover their cost of doing business in these volunteer services. And, and I'm going to continue to try to get them more money that goes directly towards their training and towards their out-of-pocket costs to be part of those organizations. Um, so, so while I would love to be able to, to uh, walk in and wave a magic wand and get $3 million more for EMS and volunteer firefighters, um, you know, we're going to be in a struggle with the budget, and we're short on general fund dollars. The governor is calling for anywhere from 5 to 10% cuts in general fund budgets. So there's going to be a whole lot of money, uh, if any, just laying around waiting to be spent. And yeah. the other part of this that concerns me is that if this passes without going through that due process of a budget process, then we're going to have to look at cutting other really important general funded programs uh, that will start affecting um, children, um, people already on Medicaid, um, social services, um, some of those other big programs that, that come out of that general fund. So I'm... I am all about doing whatever we can for our volunteer EMS and our volunteer firefighter community, but we have to do that through a planned budgeting process. Yeah. Well, it's it's going to be interesting to watch it unfold. Uh, Todd, thanks for your time. You bet, Rob. It's always great talking with you.
That's Representative Todd Porter, Republican from Mandan. I'm Rob Port, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Rob Port, 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Happy to be with you. Just finished up a discussion about Measure 4. What do you think about Measure 4, Eric? Is that something you support? No, I don't like the wording of it. It's not something yeah. that, that and and I I really don't like the idea of them getting them for free and then, you know, somebody else is going to have to pick up that tab or or make up that money somewhere. Well, I mean, listen, I'd I'd like to give all our I'd like to give all our emergency volunteer first responders uh, a free trip to Disney World every year. For crying out loud, I think they've earned it, but uh I mean, there's there's what we want to do and and what we can do and I mean, I, I think Representative Porter makes a good point. If you're going to do something like this, it has to fit in a larger context of, of the amount of money we have available to dedicate to stuff like this. Um, and so it has to, um, you know, it, it has to fit. And I, I'm afraid doing it through initiated measure is is problematic. So I'm, I, I say no on measure four. But uh, Mona emails. She says, Rob, you can't compare a volunteer who works at a food bank to someone who volunteers as a firefighter, they are totally different in regards to danger levels. Yeah, I, but I mean, I, I think the point is rewarding volunteerism, right? I mean, I think we all like the idea of people being volunteers. Um, we certainly want to help those people. I think we want to be conducive to people being able and, and enable people to volunteer. I, we're not saying that serving as a volunteer firefighter is exactly the same as, as working at a food bank. I mean, obviously, those are different levels of commitment, I think it's fair to say. Um, you know, the, the question is, I, I just, I don't know how, how this, this fits. Um, let's see, Jerry email. So sick and tired of listening to these North Dakota legislators that North Dakota is hurting for money. What the hell are they going to do with the 4.5 billion in the legacy fund? Save it for what? That is our money. Yeah. Well, don't, don't get me started on the legacy fund. I was opposed to creating it in the first place. I'm not a big fan of the government stockpiling money towards some, unspecified undefined goal which is essentially what we've done we approved it we started socking money away it's got billions of dollars in it now uh and and now we're trying to come up with ways of how to use it now since it's there i have some ideas on how we should use it i like the idea of uh using that fund to bond out some of our own construction projects in fact there's a proposal i think that's going to be debated during the next legislative session that has to do with you know bonding uh using the legacy fund to backstop bonds for uh, things like sewage projects and water projects, you know, bonding it to ourselves. We could give ourselves a much lower interest rate that would save us money. The bonding could happen faster. Those construction projects could be completed faster. I think that's a huge benefit to our state. Um, you know, but I, I don't know if, if the government's going to take my money from me. I feel like it should be for a specific purpose, right? I mean, that money belongs to people. And, and by the way, there's an economic cost of taking that money out of the economy and locking it away in a government coffer. There's an economic, there's an opportunity cost there. What would we have done with the money if we'd had it in our pockets? I think that's a fair question to ask. Uh, 701-293-9000, 888-970-9329. Email talk at wday.com. couple more emails on, on Kavanaugh that I didn't get to. I want to read them now. 
Uh, let's see. Emailer says, what I think is going to happen here is that the Democrats will get what they want and there won't be a confirmation hearing at all before the midterms. They could possibly take over Congress. And if that happens, I'm sure they will come up with something that will call for an impeachment of the president. Democrats have been grasping at straws. This is a win-win for the Democrats because if they confirm him, it won't play good for Republicans during midterms. And if they don't confirm him, then Dems could easily take over and then stop Trump from ever appointing another Supreme Court nominee. Also, Dems will try to figure out how to get Trump out of office. I'm just confused as to why Ford went to the Dems so they could hold on to this until the vote was supposed to happen. Then when Ford was supposed to testify, she wants to push back, obviously. So others come out like this Julie lady and push for another delay. Um, I still don't think Ford will testify and her lawyers will say something beforehand that says they want to delay further. Yeah. If Ford doesn't testify tomorrow, that's a big problem. For the Kavanaugh accusers, if she's not willing to go under oath to testify, if she finds some some thin excuse to, to back out of it, you know, that's a big problem. And here's I mean, here's my problem. I, I still I don't want to be dismissive of the accusations against Judge Kavanaugh. I want those people to get justice. What I'm trying to do is find a path forward where we can allow room to find justice for everybody, where we don't punish somebody because we're afraid of not giving justice for somebody else. And honestly, I still think the best way to do that, confirm him, let them make their case after the fact in an impeachment proceeding. But that's just me. Hey, Congressman Kevin Kramer joins us next. You got questions for him? Love to hear them. 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Rob Port 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Hopefully be joined by uh, Congressman Kevin Kramer here in just a moment. It's his weekly uh, open phone segment. But sometimes uh, he's a little busy um, and, uh, you know, we get a little derailed or whatever. But he hopefully should be calling in soon. If you want to start getting your questions in right now, 701-293-9000-888-970-9329. Email talk at WDAY.com. Uh, we could certainly ask them as they uh, as they come in. Um Let's see. Just uh, let's, let's, Lyle wasn't asking a question of the congressman, but he had a, a comment about the Kavanaugh situation, which I'm, I'm sure there'll be some questions for the congressman about that. Uh, but we, uh, Lyle emailed, said, uh, Rustice, just, excuse me, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was the last to receive a bipartisan vote. I think it was 93-4 for her appointment to the court implementing the nuclear option whereby all one needs is 51 votes versus 60 has brought too much partisanship into the process with a bare majority presidents can select ever more extreme candidates both conservative and liberal i am really concerned that kavanaugh went on trump tv showing his true colors as to partisanship i think we should be equally concerned about this as we are the salacious allegations listen i I agree with Lyle to the point. Now, he makes some factual errors here. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is probably one of the most left-wing members of the Supreme Court. She was the last one to get a, a bipartisan vote. Um, so the idea that the current formulation has led to more polarizing selections for the court, uh, I think, is actually wrong. I think in the past there was some respect from Congress to say, well, the president won, barring some you know, disqualifying circumstance, which is what Democrats are alleging with Judge Kavanaugh. But barring something like that, the judge gets, the, the president gets to pick who sits on the Supreme Court. I think there was a recognition prior to that. Uh, and, and actually, you know, the idea that we only need um, 51 votes, a simple majority, to, to appoint somebody to the United States Supreme Court, 
um, is, is a recent formulation. We've only appointed one member of the U.S. Supreme Court that way, Neil Gorsuch, earlier in President Trump's uh, term. Now, prior to that, what we had was um, the Democrats eliminated the filibuster under Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid and President Barack Obama, eliminated the filibuster for um, lower court, lower federal judge appointments. They left it in place for the Supreme Court. Republicans then turned around and got rid of it for the Supreme Court for the Gorsuch nomination. So uh, that's where we're at. And and I agree. I, I would like to go back to the good old days where, A, uh, we did have a filibuster in place for all of these judicial appointments because I liked the filibuster in the Supreme Court, or excuse me, in, in the United States Senate. I, I, I think that if we're going to pass, and I, I say this as somebody who would rather more policy be passed at the local level than the federal level. If you're going to pass a one-size-fits-all policy for the entire country, I think it needs something more than a simple majority in the Senate. Um, people derided the filibuster for years. Uh, but really, what was the filibuster other than a mandate for at least a degree of bipartisanship? So I don't like that we got away from it, but I also don't like that we developed this attitude about judicial appointments uh, that somehow um, you know presidents weren't allowed to just appoint people that they wanted to appoint elections have consequences right when we you elect president barack obama you have to accept that he's going to put liberal judges on the court and that's what we got sonia sotomayor elena kagan when you elect a republican like george w bush bush you've got to concede you're going to get conservative judges we got john roberts we got sam alito So, you know, I, I would like to get back to just that recognition that, you know what, uh, elections have consequences. That's what I'd like to get back to. 701-293-9000, email talk at WDAY.com. All right, we have Congressman Kramer on. A little tardy today, but that's all right. Yeah, well, we just got done voting a little bit ago, and then I ended up... Uh, I had another interview that I just wrapped up. Sorry about that. Well, that's okay. Well, we have a uh, we have a whole bunch of questions for you. But and and by the way, uh, what I guess we should just start though. New allegations about um, Kavanaugh today coming from uh, Attorney Michael Avenatti. Have Have you read them? Are you aware of them? How do you feel about them, Kevin? Yeah, I've not read them. Um, I'm only slightly aware of them, only because I saw a little blip on TV as I was running off to something else. Um, you know, I, she could have done better in picking her in it attorney that's for sure i mean he's good for book deals i don't, I don't know uh, about justice but we're just gonna have to hear more rob i, I guess the bottom line is we'll have to see uh, if she's gonna testify or willing to testify we have to get by tomorrow first we know that the senate judiciary committee's got a big hearing tomorrow with dr ford and, and uh, judge kavanaugh i presume judge kavanaugh has, has denied these most recent claims as well i again i haven't seen enough to even know that but i'm pretty confident he probably has um there's you know there's a lot of suspicion surrounding the claims of all of all of these unfortunate situations largely because of the the timing of them i mean this most recent one was actually pre-announced that it would be rolled out after the other two you know after after this uh the second one and you know you just got to wonder what is going on is there not a strategy here that's something less than transparent um and i don't want to make it sound like it's easy to to uh you know, to uh, to out somebody, these are very, very serious allegations. But um, we'll just have to see how it all plays out. But right now, I, I think people are focused on tomorrow's hearing. 701-293-9000, email talk at wday.com. Uh, a, a number of uh, 
people asking about something that the Democrats are, are, are criticizing you for pretty pretty vigorously. Jeff asks this, Liam asks this, and their their questions are: Do you stand behind the comments uh, you made last week about the women accusing Judge Kavanaugh of sexual assault? Now, I think that was two different interviews: the KNOX interview, the interview with with Chris Berg on Valley News Live. Do you stand by those? Well. I stand by them in the context of all, of all of them, and most of the reports haven't included <laughs> any context. In fact, I just had a guy a little bit ago that cornered me and said, uh, asked something about um, my comments relating to you know something they did as when they were teenagers at a at a party, and he said he said you know if you put that in the context of um, you know Clarence Thomas, that makes perfect sense. I said that's exactly what it was. It was in response to a question about the Clarence Thomas and Edie Hill situation, where I said. Clarence Thomas and Nita Hill were adults in a workplace, and the allegation was from a subordinate about a supervisor. That, that is different. My biggest challenge with all of it, Rob, right now is that if if the things that happen happen, you know, when you're in high school, it, that's really bad. I don't know that it disqualifies you. However, if you've been if you're lying about it today. That's a big. That's a big problem, and that's what I think the the committee has to, and the Senate has to discern. You know, if um, if the allegations are proven, or if there's if there's some evidence, you don't, I don't. It's not a court of law, but there is fairness that's involved. There is a presumption of some sort, some some level of fairness for the accused, accused as well as the accuser. Um, you know, if, so if there's some evidence, then then he's been lying. You know, that's a problem. Uh, let's uh, let's go to the phones. Dana has got a question for you. Go ahead, Dana. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. Hey, Dana. Hey, uh, Connor Screamer, I heard you this morning. You said that the economy was in a rocket ship state. Yeah. I'm waiting for that rocket ship to get the grain market. Yeah. But uh, my question is this. Uh, how is President Trump supposed to have the bargaining power he needs for these trade negotiations? If we've got companies within our own industry like CHF and Cargill, they're going around his back and selling the grain to China anyway. Yeah, you raise a really important point, and this is a, a frustration I've expressed, not just about companies, although this, this is a, another avenue, another twist to it for sure, but even other politicians. And, you know, I get phone calls all the time now from members of Parliament from Canada and, and from uh, the ambassador. You know, I chair the Northern Border Caucus, and um, they always want me to sort of undercut our president, and I refuse to. I don't represent China. I don't represent Canada. I don't represent Mexico. Um, and if we were more united in our efforts, then we could end this quickly, and it would be all be to the to the benefit of the American farmer and the North Dakota farmer. Unfortunately, uh, we we aren't united. Politics is a much more vigorous thing in our free society, and thank God we have freedom in in the United States of America. Um, you know, Senator Heitkamp has tried to make the claim that I said our our farmers uh, have a low uh, pain tolerance. That's not true at all. What I've said is is that. Um, countries and citizens led by dictators um, have a high pain, pain tolerance because it's imposed on them by their own governments. And we live in a free society where um, we, you know, we throw people out of office that don't do what we want them to do. And and that's a, a wonderful distinction between, uh, you know, freedom and, and communism. So, I think you raise an important point. We're much better unified in the same cause. We get a much better deal much quicker than this sort of undermining our own government all the time. 
We uh, have a uh, David says uh, his opponent was recently named a U.S. win champion by the win lobby. Any additional wind energy development in our state could be disastrous for us on so many fronts. Big wind always touts the jobs in our state as a huge factor. But in the big picture view, we are risking thousands of high paying jobs in mining and generation, along with the certainty of much higher electrical rates to the consumer. All of this to enrich the out of state or foreign developer developer at the detriment to our taxpayers and residents what will you do to rein in the assault on our resources in north dakota so there's a number of things to that to that point to david's point and he's right about a lot of it and the the, the wind and uh, other renewable industries have been so heavily subsidized i mean uh, you know a good 30 percent plus of the capital costs of wind farm are paid for by the taxpayer so we talks about rate increases that's just part of it there's also taxes that that go into it um not the end of a wind farm when it's producing the the um, energy or the fuel is actually free and that's the upside of it but then you have to have two generating facilities and here's what i'm doing about it and this is why i've so strongly supported uh rick perry's transmission resiliency plan and that is we have to find a way in rate structure to adequately, appropriately recognize the value of baseload electricity. That's what we do not do. So if it's coal or even gas, although gas is, is a great baseload fuel, except it's, it's, it's even intermittent in the sense that um, it's not a firm supply. In other words, gas has priorities on the supply chain or the demand chain. Um, but, of course, nuclear is the other one. Well, if we can't adequately price those 20, having um, energy 24 hours, seven days a week, the, the tragedy beyond what, what David's talking about economically or price-wise is that one day the wind's not going to blow on a cloudy day, and it's going to be 30 degrees below zero, and the electricity's not going to work. And that's a pretty big problem. Um, so we need to we need to find a, a mechanism to do that. Uh, well, Kevin, I, I think that's all. I don't I don't want to ask you another question, and then uh, and then I have you time because we are up against it. But I appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll uh, talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks, Rob. It's Congressman Kevin Kramer. This is Rob Report 970 WDAYM 93.1 FM. We're going to take a little break, then we'll come back. Don't go away. Welcome back, Rob Report 970 WDAYM 93.1 FM. Going back to the uh, the Kavanaugh thing, uh, uh, Senator uh, Lindsey Graham just came out. Now, now Lindsey Graham, he's not exactly a Trump loyalist. In fact, he and Trump have had uh, their spats over, over the years. Uh, this is I'm reading a CNN headline here. Graham says, if Republicans bail on Kavanaugh, we deserve our fate. Um, but he makes an interesting point um, about the uh, about this latest ag- accusation from Ava, uh, Michael Avenatti's uh, client. Uh, he says, I quote, I have a difficult time believing any person would continue to go to, according to the affidavit, 10 parties over a two year period where women were routinely gang raped and did not report it. I also find it curious these charges were not brought forward until 2018, two days before a confirmation vote. Why would any reasonable person continue to hang around people like this? Why would any person continue to put their friends and themselves in danger? Isn't there some duty to warn others? Now, I don't think that that's conclusive. Um, But I do think that there's a point at which when an accusation reaches a certain point, you got to ask, is it possible? Right. I mean, does it pass the smell test? I'm I, I'm thinking there, there was I, I was listening to this this story about um, a situation where this this child care provider was being accused of, of running like a sex ring for, for the people that they were watching. And so the idea was that that these children were being 
sexually assaulted repeatedly in, in, in brutal ways, but yet then were being turned over to their parents who detected nothing at all wrong with their children. Now, ultimately, it turned out that none of this was true. It was all a hoax. But what it was, was, I, I mean, it was just that simple question. Does it pass the smell test that the children could be brutalized like that and then return to their, their, their parents? So here the question is, if this woman was at a party where, where women were being drugged and, and gang raped, why did she continue to go to parties with those people? And how is it that people were at these parties where this behavior was going on in this wide of a circle and nobody went to law enforcement about it? Nobody reported it. Nobody told a parent. Nobody. Let's just say it's it's a big accusation, and it should require a, a big degree of truth because there are reasons to be skeptical. Now, I, I don't I don't know. This isn't a smoking gun by any stretch of the imagination, and it could very well be. Sometimes our you know on, on the flip side, sometimes our expectations of how people will behave in certain situations just don't match reality. Right, like, like a lot of times we'll see in cases where people say, "Well, they're just not behaving." Like, like somebody, uh, um, you think the husband did it, the husband did it in his wife, and you say, "Well, he just wasn't acting like somebody who was in that situation should act." Well, how should somebody in that situation react? So I don't know. I feel like I'm talking myself in circles at this point. I don't know. You don't know. None of us knows. I don't know that any of us are ever going to know particularly not in this superheated political environment. Which, by the way, I thought it was kind of funny. Senator Heitkamp, if I could just digress here for a moment. Senator Heitkamp uh, is holding a, during during the show, held a, 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 a teleconference for the press uh, where a former law enforcement official was going to talk about Congressman Kramer's comments about the, the Kavanaugh situation. Uh, the former law enforcement official in question was former U.S. Attorney Tim Purton. Uh, who was delayed in his appointment to that position because he was appointed there directly from the Democratic National Committee. He is deeply involved in party politics in our state. Um, and he he left that office early. He was so concerned about the law enforcement aspects of that office that he left it early to go to work in the private sector to make a bundle. Um, not what I would call a, a, a credible law enforcement source. Just saying. Hey, Jay Thomas show straight ahead. You can always catch me here 12 to 2 p.m. Monday through Friday on 970 WDAY AM 93.1 FM. Thanks for listening.